0: Chapter Twelve of The Great White Queen by William LeCue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. Chapter Twelve, In the Sacred Grove. One by one, the slaves of the gang in which we had traveled were dragged forward, held over the execution bowl, and sent as messengers to the spirit land, until it came to Omar's turn in a second two white-faced demons with keen swords seized him and despite the cry for mercy that escaped his lips he was rushed forward the frenzied executioners flinging him down unceremoniously and bending his head over the warm blood with which the basin was now filled to overflowing at that instant as the chief executioner strode forward and held his dripping blade uplifted ready to strike the king raised his hand to command silence and a hideous dressed official paused in wonder his sword poised in air betey the okra bending low was whispering to the king when the latter suddenly took the nut from his mouth and said so it is upon omar son of my enemy the naya of mo that my eyes rest let him stand forth with his white companion obedient to the command of the king the executioners allowed omar to rise and in a few moments we both stood before the royal stool. "'How came you here?' asked Prempeh, scowling. "'I was captured and sold as slave to the Arab dealers,' he answered, drawing himself up with that princely air he always assumed in moments of danger. "'And your white companion? How is it he is in our capital? I have been to the land of the white men across the sea, and he returned as my friend,' Omar replied. "'We were travelling homeward to Mo when, by treachery, I was entrapped.' by whom by samory across prempeh's evil face there spread a sickly smile he was an ally of the great mohammedan chief and saw at once that samory had sold the son of their mutual enemy into slavery your queen-mother he said has times without number sent her armed hordes over the border to raid our villages and it is the fetish that has delivered you her son into our hands the fetish has not sent you hither as a sacrifice but as a hostage therefore your life shall be spared together with that of your white friend but you shall both be given as slaves to our trusted okra let the sacrifice proceed prempe king of all the shantes has spoken next second a poor black wretch was dragged along in omar's place and the sword fell heavily upon him while we were both hurried away in charge of a cabooser to the residence of the man who was, according to Omar, one of his mother's bitterest foes. Glad were we to escape with our lives from that awful scene of inhuman butchery, but it seemed that as slaves of this court favourite to whom we had been given there would be but little brightness in our lives. As day succeeded day our gloomy forebodings were only too truly realised, Betay, the most powerful of the king's okras, seemed to delight in making our lives a burden to us. For amid luxurious surroundings, we were beaten, starved, and ill-treated, until even death under the executioner's knife seemed a preferable fate. Six months passed; six weary months of slavery and wretchedness. Our position seemed absolutely hopeless, and I began to fear that we should never escape from the city of blood. The scenes we witnessed there were so revolting that i cannot now reflect upon them without a shudder the ghastly customs the absence of all protection for life and property the grinding oppression the nameless horrors of all kinds were terrible blood was continually flowing for every anniversary demanded fresh holocaust and the golgotha presented a sight of indescribable horror The unwritten code of laws were of such a sanguinary nature that the public executioners formed a numerous section of the community, and were constantly employed collecting their victims, leading them for execution through the capital, and then hacking them to pieces in presence of the King. Soldiers, slaves, retainers of the nobles and conquered tribes possessed no defined rights, and their lives and property were practically in the hands of the royal and governing classes. Close to the house of our inhuman master was the fetish grove, a horrible place, surrounded by rank grass, dirt, and reeking with odors pestilential. Once or twice I wandered in that grove, treading upon human bones at every step, the heaped-up remains of thousands of miserable creatures slaughtered to please the Ashante ruler's lust for blood. Poor crumbling bones, mouldy and sodden as the rotten wood of older trees yet once clothed with form and vigour lay everywhere while under the cottonwood trees skulls were heaped and vultures hovered about in hundreds one evening we attended our master on one of his official visits to bantana the fetish priest's village where we so narrowly escaped execution and were able to thoroughly inspect the gruesome place The most horrible blood orgies known to superstitious and fetish worship were almost daily practiced there, and in nearly every abode there were stools and chairs smeared with human blood, drinking bowls were stained with it, and some vessels were half-filled with black clotted blood. In the priest's inner chambers dark dens filled with foul odors, to which we entered with Bataille, we found not only the whole apartment smeared with blood, but bones and portions of human remains lying about openly or wrapped in rags to serve as charms one building probably the residence of one of the chief priests was embellished with mud moulded panels and scrollwork and the columns facing the principal quadrangle were fluted the colours were the prevailing white clay and red ochre plastered upon the wattle and mud pillars suddenly as in the dusk we left his house a loud horrible shriek sounded at first we thought some poor wretch was being sacrificed but again and again it sounded, and all turned pale, even the royal okra himself. "'What's that, I wonder?' I asked Omar, who, bearing our master's sword, was walking at my side. "'The gree he gasped, looking round in fear, while at that moment there sounded two ear-piercing blasts upon a horn. "'Hark!' cried Bataille himself, trembling. "'The gree is out to-night.' "'I remembered that I had been told by one of our fellow-slaves that the Grigri was a great fetish who appeared horned like a demon, and killed all persons he came across. None dare lock their doors when the Grigri walked, and only the king himself was invulnerable. This, no doubt, was another trick of the priest to frighten the superstitious natives, and at the same time wreak vengeance upon those who had offended them. Once again the notes of the horn rose weird and shrill, and died away. Then Bate himself affrightened, turned to us saying fly fly for your lives if the gree-gree catches you you will be struck upon the brow his arm deals death everywhere in a moment all took to their heels including the royal okra but omar grasping my arm whispered excitedly stay we may now escape as the words left his lips we caught sight of a weird black figure dressed in long coarse grass with ram's horns upon his head his face whitened and a second pair of eyes painted over his own. In his hand gleamed a long bright knife, while at his side was suspended a freshly severed human arm and hand. Yelling and leaping like a veritable demon, he suddenly noticed the flying figures of our fellow slaves, and halting a moment, dashed after them, leaving us alone. "'He will return here, so we must hide,' Omar said quickly and glancing round we both saw at the end of the dark ghostly avenue of fetish trees an oblong windowless mud hut with a high-pitched triple grass thatched roof running towards it we managed to wrench off the padlock from the door and enter it was we discovered the reputed sepulchre of the ashanti kings without it was guarded by all sorts of fetish charms extraordinary odds and ends animal claws broken pottery scraps of tin bits of wood stones at human bones. Within, by the aid of a lamp we found burning, were revealed several great coffers clapped with copper and iron, each resting upon two big stools of carved cottonwood. Jars and vases filled with water and wine, braziers full of sweet-smelling leaves, and plates of food were placed beside each, offerings for the use of the dead. Omar told me that when an Ashanti king died he was buried in an ordinary coffin for a time, but afterwards the body was invariably disinterred, and the joints of the skeleton articulated with gold bands and wire. It was then placed, doubled up, in one of these spacious coffers, fully four feet long by two feet wide and deep, and the other skeletons were attendants, slaughtered and sent to the land of shades to wait on the monarch's ghost. Possibly, I said, much of the ghostly grimness and worked-up horrors about this place are cunningly devised not only to protect the royal tombs from being plundered by the superstitious natives, but to help to safeguard the state treasuries concealed in yonder coffins. Yes, he said, in this priest-ridden country all the superstition is heaped up for their benefit and profit. But we must get out of here before dawn, run past the gree Gri if he is about, and make a dash for the open forest. It is our only chance of escape, or at dawn the priests will come again to watch beside the tombs, and if discovered we are certain to be skewered through the mouth, dragged before Prempe, and hacked to pieces by the criminal executioner. Will any fate is better than that, I observed. Let us wait an hour or so, and then make a rush for it. Very well, he answered, and together we resumed the work of exploring the strange place. Soon, however, our lamp burned dim, flickered, and went out then after waiting in silence for half an hour in the pitch darkness we slowly opened the door and holding our breaths crept out with noiseless tread we stole along the sacred grove and were nearly at the end when without warning the hideous greegree with a fiendish yell of triumph sprang out of some bushes upon us involuntarily i put up my fist to ward off attack and in doing so gave him a well directed blow full in the face sending him down flat on his back Arak! cried omar in delight floored him let's run for our lives ere the midnight murderer could spring to his feet we had dashed away as fast as our legs could carry us running along the fetish grove past the cluster of executioners houses across the open space where in the centre stood the great tree under which prempeh had sat to witness the wholesale sacrifice and continuing until we came to a path through the high elephant grass we soon left the city far behind us and plunged into the dark dismal forest by the narrow winding way that led to the unexplored regions of the north but at last we paused to take breath omar panting said at last we are free again the tay will not seek us for he naturally believes we were killed by the gree if tomorrow favors us we shall yet live to enter mo and lead our host into the country of samory then taking from his neck a little bag of some strange powder he took therefrom a pinch, and with fervent words scattered it to the four quarters of the wind, thus making a thank offering to the crocodile god. End of chapter twelve recording by Tom Weiss, tom's dot com.